Welcome to the Audacity Church Podcast. We pray that you are blessed by what you hear today. We love to hear stories of what God is doing in people's lives. Take some time to share your story of how God is working in your life and email us at amen at loveservego.com. Now prepare your heart to hear from God today. Today's scripture reading is from Acts 16. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen this vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach to the gospel to them. This is the reading of God's word. As you can see behind me, uh, we've had these ghost-like things up. And uh, if you're here for the first time and that's freaking you out, don't worry. We don't worship ghosts or anything here. Uh, But we've been in a series called Ghost Stories, and we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. Or sometimes in Scripture, he's referred to as the Holy Ghost. And we've been talking about who he is and how he operates and what Scripture has to say about him, what Jesus has to say about him. And Ronnie, the last several weeks... um, uh, has laid out a lot of great things from um, from God's word on that, and I'm hoping to uh, build on that today. Um, and Ronnie's talked about how he's, you know, we believe in the Trinity, that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that's one God uh, in three parts, and the Holy Spirit is so important to our lives um, as believers. He's not scary, he's not something spooky, and that's kind of what we were going with this series called ghost stories is that sometimes people can be kind of um, freaked out or a lot of misunderstandings about who the Holy Spirit is and what he wants and how he works in our lives. And he's nothing scary. He's here to help us. He's a counselor, comforter, teacher. And so uh, I'll be continuing with that today, talking about the Holy Spirit. But um, first of all, I was thinking about this when I saw these ghosts up here. Uh, not actual ghosts. That's creepy. Tyson C and stuff. What? Um, I, my, I have two daughters, one's four and one's two. My two-year-old is tiny for her age. We, she put this pillow sheet over her the other day, and she was pretending like she was a little ghost. But you know you have a small two-year-old, and, like, she literally fits in the whole pillowcase. Like, it, it's not like it's, like, to her knees, like, the whole thing drapes all the way down to her toes. She fits inside of a pillowcase. She is just super tiny. And then she thought it was super fun to get, like, swung around by that. So that, maybe find that alarming, parenting skills. I, it was it was safe. She was fine. She thought it was awesome. Um, and seeing those today just reminded me of that. So I just shared dad moments because I just love my girls. They're awesome. Um, but today we're, we're really looking at how the Holy Spirit guides. And what I really, last several weeks we've been laying out some different things about him. But, you know, I think the best way to really get to know someone is actually spend time with them, right? Like, you can learn a bunch of information about someone. You can creep on their Facebook page and see, you know, where they work and when they were born and all this type of stuff. But you don't really know them, right? Like, you could you could know things about me, but you're not really going to know me until you can actually hang out with me a little bit and, and see someone in action, see what they're like, see how they treat people, see how they work and, and how they function. That's how you really get to know someone. And so that's kind of what we're doing today. We're, we're looking at the Holy Spirit, but we're kind of, we're seeing him in action. We're going to look at Acts chapter 16 and the book of Acts. It's really 
the Acts of the Apostles, but it could probably really better be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. That's what the whole book is about. It's about the Holy Spirit in action. And so we're going to look in Acts chapter 16 um, and see the Holy Spirit in action and how he guides and how he directs our lives. So we're going to read quite a bit of scripture here for a little bit. Uh, And if that... um Freaks you out? Don't worry. Just uh, be glad. I was watching uh, uh, a Tim Keller video the other day that uh, Ronnie sent me, and he read all of Nehemiah chapter three. Which, if you've ever read Nehemiah chapter three, it is enough. It's one of those chapters where it's all names. Like it's one of those chapters when I read the Bible, I get to I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna skip this one because I don't know how to say any of those names anyway. Uh, he read that entire chapter, and I just thought that's hilarious. So we're not gonna be just reading a bunch of names, but we're gonna really be hearing. Uh, it's some pretty amazing stories here in Acts chapter 16. Um, before we before we get into 16, though, just to give you a little backstory on what happens in Acts chapter 15. Um, there's some characters you need to know. There's Paul uh, and Barnabas. They're traveling around. They're doing ministry together. And really, Barnabas has been kind of a mentor uh, in, in Paul's life. Uh, Paul was the artist formerly known as Saul, who was killing Christians and throwing them in jail. And then he has a dramatic encounter with Jesus, and now he's preaching the gospel. And a lot of people are not really trusting that this Paul guy is legit. Um, And they're like, man, this is maybe a trap. But Barnabas is one of those ones who believed in Paul, who stood up for him and takes him under his wing, really mentors him. And now they're, they're doing ministry together. They're traveling around and they're delivering these letters to um, the churches um, because there was some contention about whether or not Gentiles could really be followers of Jesus because this really started uh, in Jerusalem. And there was lots of people like, no, basically, you know, it's not just about Jesus. You also have to follow the law. You have to become a Jew. Um, and Paul was saying, no, uh, we're saved by grace through Jesus. The gospel breaks down all of those racial barriers, all of those uh, cultural barriers, all those things, the gospel cuts through all of that and so they're basically delivering a letter that's come out of the meeting about that argument saying that hey jesus is for everyone you're saved by grace and through faith in jesus and 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 this is some of the ways we think that practically you can live that out and so they're taking this letter to the different churches and then paul and barnabas split company because there's um sort of an argument about someone that, that barnabas wanted to bring along called john mark apparently john mark had kind of abandoned them at a tough point back in the past somewhere and Paul doesn't, he's got some trust issues with John Mark and doesn't want to bring him along. And so Paul and Barnabas get in a sharp disagreement and they part ways. And Paul goes on and he runs into uh, he runs into someone named Timothy, and that's where we, we pick it up here in Acts chapter 16, verse 1. It says, Then he went on to Derby in Lystra, where there was a disciple named Timothy, the son of a believing Jewish woman, but his father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke highly of him. Paul wanted Timothy to go with him, so he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, since they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled through the towns, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem for them to observe. That's the letter I was talking about earlier. So the churches were strengthened in faith and were increasing in number daily. And then this is the, the section we, we just uh, just heard from Teresa. She did a great job. I won't read it to you again, but um, Paul gets this vision of someone saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And they change plans. They decide to go to Macedonia to preach the gospel. And so sending sail from there, they go to Troas. They're, they're heading towards uh, Macedonia. It's straight 
course to some town I can't pronounce, so straight to Stillwater, um, Oklahoma, the next day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, a Roman colony, which is leading city of the district of Macedonia. We stayed in that city for a number of days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the city gate by the river where we thought there was a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women gathered there, a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloths from the city of Syratira, who worshiped God, was listening. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was spoken by Paul. After she and her household were baptized, she urged us, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So they meet this woman, Lydia. Um, she's saved. Her household is baptized. Um, what we can kind of know about Lydia is she was probably a pretty affluent person. She was a um, uh, she was a, a rich woman. She was a dealer in purple cloths. That would have been kind of a luxury item. Um, and so she's a kind of influential person in the city. She believes in Jesus, and she's baptized. And they're continuing to minister in the area. And says, once as we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit of prediction and made a large profit for her owners by fortune-telling. As she followed Paul and us, she cried out, These men are the slaves of the Most High, who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. And she did this for many days. But Paul was greatly aggravated and turning to the spirit said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out right away. When her owners saw that their hope of profit was gone, always follow the money, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And bringing them before the chief magistrates, they said, these men are seriously disturbing our city. They are Jews and are promoting customs that are not legal for us Romans to adopt or practice. Then the mob joined in the attack against them and the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had inflicted many blows on them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to keep them securely guarded. Receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. So if I'm Paul and Silas right now, I'm kind of thinking, man, like that Macedonian call, that, that vision that I thought I saw, this guy saying, come help us. Like, I know, I know we met Lydia and now she's a believer and that was, that was pretty cool, but maybe that dream was just some bad pizza. Like, maybe this was a really bad idea for us to come to Macedonia. Here we are in prison. It's another riot. Everywhere we go, there's a riot. Like, just, there's got to be an easier way, right? Like, if I'm Paul, that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, man, maybe, maybe we missed it. Like, we're, we're in jail. Like, by definition, this has just gone wrong. Um, uh, this, is, this is a bad spot. And, but Paul and Silas don't just sit there and throw a pity party. We read on. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. That's not probably what I would have been doing if I was in prison. But uh, they are worshiping God, and then suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. And you might be like, that's a little extreme. What was this guy's problem? Um, Well, basically in this time, Roman soldiers, they worked as jailers. you didn't really get fired. If you did a bad job, you just got killed. So it's like one of those things, I'll follow my own sword because it's better for me than for this to be done later by someone else. And so he's just like, I'm just going to, my life is over. The prisoners have escaped. I'm just going to follow my sword. Um, but Paul called out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself because all of us are here. Then the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he escorted out... <laughs> 
them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the message of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Right away, he and all his family were baptized. He brought them up into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had believed God with his entire household. It's a pretty amazing story. There's an earthquake. The jailer's about to kill himself. They say, wait, no, don't do that. We're all still here. Jailer believes Jesus. His whole family's baptized. The jailer now makes a meal for them. And then apparently, from what I can gather, unless this meal was, like, ordered in to the jail, like, it almost seems like they left with him to his house for a little while. But then they must have come back. So, like, they got out of jail, and then they went back. Um, So when daylight came, the chief magistrate sent to the police to say, release those men. The jailer reported these words to Paul. The magistrates have sent order for you to be released. So come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they beat us in public without a trial. Although we are Roman citizens and threw us in jail. And now are they going to smuggle us out secretly? Certainly not. On the contrary, let them come themselves and escort us out. And then the police reported these words to the magistrates. And they were afraid when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them. And escorting them out, they urged them to leave town. After leaving the jail, they came to Lydia's house where they saw and encouraged the brothers and departed. Um... That Roman citizen thing, it was kind of like a get-out-of-jail-free card. They had different rights um, and privileges because they were Roman citizens and other people had. What I find interesting is, like, they didn't use it right away. Like, you think, like, when the mob was grabbing them, they'd be like, hey, Roman citizen, I'll pass, VIP. But they don't. It's not until later. And I'm going to talk more about why I think that is in a bit. And I know that was a lot. We just read a whole chapter, so... Pat yourself on the back. That's a whole chapter of daily Bible reading today. Um, But I want to look at this story a little bit more and what we can learn from it. First of all, one of the things we see about the Holy Spirit, remember we learned by watching someone in action, is that the Holy Spirit really cares about the church growing and expanding. All throughout Acts, we see the gospel going into different cities, churches being planted, churches being established, Holy Spirit is all about seeing churches planted and established. And Jesus loves his church, and the Spirit of God loves his church. And that's what we see in this chapter, that, that God calls, the Holy Spirit calls Paul and Silas to go to Macedonia to really, basically, they're starting a church here with Lydia and with this jailer. They go into an area where there was not believers, and now they... These people believe in Jesus, and they're baptized. The Holy Spirit, one of the Holy Spirit's primary responsibilities is planting churches. I think one of the other things we see in the story is Paul had a plan, but God had a mission. Paul had a good plan. Um, And what we heard in our scripture reading earlier I find interesting. It says he was prevented from going to certain areas to preach the gospel. There was was nothing wrong with what he wanted to do. It was a good plan. Hey, we're going to go to these places. We're going to share this letter from Jerusalem. We're going to talk to them. We're going to strengthen them. It was a good plan, and yet God had a different mission. God wanted them to go to Macedonia. God knew about Lydia, and God knew about the slave girl, and God knew about the jailer. Paul didn't know who those people were, but God did. And so Paul's plans got changed because God had a mission for them. And we have to be okay sometimes. Our plans can get changed for God's mission. And we will not accomplish God's mission with man's plans. We have to accomplish God's mission with God's plans. I think we also learned that our default mode should be action. Um, The verses don't read, 
of course there wasn't this at the time, but you know, Paul was sitting watching Netflix one day, and then it was interrupted with a commercial from the man in Macedonia saying, "Come help us." Um, he, he was not just sitting on his hands; they were they were actively doing things. And then God directs them. No, wait, what you're doing is good, but this is this is what I need you to do. This is a mission. Our default mode should be action. Um, Sometimes uh, when we're when it comes to God's guidance in our life, we can have so many questions sometimes about the future, and sometimes that's what it's all about. We're wondering, well, God, what do you want me to do in the future? What do you? Well, sometimes we just we need to be continuing in the last thing that God told us to do. We need to just continue being prone to action and obedience. And I think when we are, it always puts us in the right place for when God makes the mission clear to us. When we have a, a call or an opportunity to go to a, a place like they did to go to Macedonia. When it gets clear, it, it's better for us to be acting. It's better for us to be on mission. Our default mode should be action. Um, God's mission often takes us into unfamiliar or uncomfortable places. This is this story, what we just read, this is the first mission trip um, to the continent of Europe. Paul thought he was just going to strengthen some of the churches close to him. God's plan was for Paul to bring the gospel to a whole new continent. Paul just had a pretty small perspective of what he wanted to do. God had a much bigger thing in mind. And it took Paul to people that he wasn't as familiar with. It took him out of the neighborhoods he knew. It took him to an uncomfortable place. And God takes us to places to introduce us to faces. God's plan always involves people. Um, That's why I believe... um, Church is so important. Biblical community is so important. It's, it's, God's, it's God's plan A. Um, and a lot of times I think we really think it's, it's kind of like a plan B. Like if we're, if we're struggling, maybe uh, we're trying to overcome an addiction or something in our life. And, and, and what we really wish is that there would just be like a you know, ray of sunshine from a cloud. And we're just like kind of consumed with power from God. And we just never have to deal with that thing again. Our problem just magically just... Whew, wiped away. And we think like that's really that's really the plan A, right? Like that's what God wants to do, but he just he just can't for some reason. And so instead we have to kind of settle for asking people to pray for us and asking people to help us and that type of stuff. But that's not actually what we see when we read scripture. God's plan A is people. God's plan A is always people. God's plan A is his church. Biblical community, the church is God's plan A for healing and restoration. It's God's plan A for helping the poor and sick. It's God's plan A for impacting culture. It's God's plan A for showing himself in the world. I heard this quote recently, and uh, it just really spoke to me. It's by a a writer that I follow. And uh, he says, every story of success is a story of community. And that's, that's, that's... what we see in this chapter of Acts is all these different characters. There's Lydia, there's a slave girl, there's this jailer. There's all these different things, all these different people that God placing together. And God, that is, that is how God works. That is God's plan. He works through people. That's why the people in our lives are, are so important. It's so important that we be pouring into people around us. It's so important that we have people around us. And it's so important that we, uh, we realize that that's God's plan A. And then the other thing we see in this story is that divine interruptions often set up divine appointments. Paul's plan was interrupted by the Macedonian call, which led him to meet Lydia. Paul's sermon was interrupted by a slave girl, which led to a riot and getting thrown in jail. That's quite the interruption. But that led to a jailer. 
divine interruptions set up divine appointments. Um, and if you're anything like me, uh, you, you hate waiting on things. Uh, confession time here. Uh, I'm leaving my daughter's elementary school two days ago. Um, I think, yeah, Friday, Thursday, one of those days. And so it's a construction zone on uh, Harvard. She goes to Grimes Elementary, so it's right there. So it's just two lanes. And it specifically says, there is a sign that says, no left turn in between these hours for the school, right? The car in front of me apparently does not understand this sign. Um, And so I'd sit behind this car trying to turn left for 10 minutes. And uh, I'm ashamed to say I rolled down my window and I yelled them some instructions. There was no obscenities or anything. Um, But I just thought maybe they couldn't read the sign. And so I was going to help them out and give them a verbal reading uh, so they knew what to do. And that wasn't a good way to handle it probably, right? But (laughs) it's... We hate interruptions, right? We hate waiting on things. It was, it was a big problem with me that this was going to make me, you know, five, ten minutes late because I was on a really tight schedule, right? So this car needed to get out of my way. Um, and so it's so easy to get frustrated with interruptions. It's so easy to get frustrated when things like, don't seem like they're happening fast enough. Um, but in this story, I'm reminded that every interruption that Paul could have got frustrated about and been yelling out verbal instructions to people on, like I did. Um, if he'd have done that, if he'd have, if he would have, when the mob grabbed him, pulled out the Roman citizen card, he'd have missed a divine appointment with this jailer. And how many times have I missed opportunities that God was setting up because I was frustrated with an interruption that came across my path? And it's so easy to do. And so I just encourage you and I encourage myself. Divine interruptions often set up divine appointments, and God might be trying to get your past to cross paths with someone else. The Holy Spirit helps us navigate through life and keep us on mission. And we see the Holy Spirit kind of guiding in different ways here. He's connecting people. He's working through events and circumstances. He's preventing, in the beginning we see that, Paul was prevented from going here. I don't know if that was just like every time he thought about it, he just didn't feel like that was what he was supposed to do. Or maybe circumstances prevented him to go. I'm not exactly sure. I don't know what exactly kept him from saying, hey, that I'm a Roman citizen here. Um, but I think there was just something in his heart. That says, no, no, don't say that. There's, there's a bigger opportunity here. I'll let this interruption happen. And we see the Holy Spirit guiding them. And uh, I've never... I've never truly flown a plane. I don't have a, my pilot's license or anything. I definitely don't have the type of cash that you need to own a plane. Um, but it's always been, ever since I was a kid, I, I've, I've loved planes. Like, I was like a nerd. I'm still a nerd. Um, but I had, like, you know, like books about planes and stuff. And my grandpa and my uncle were big plane nerds. So we'd talk about planes and all the different things. So I can, you know, no different specs on military, military helicopters and stuff like that. Just because I thought it was fun. I've never flown one of those either. Um, but I have been up in like like a two seater, you know, kind of like little Cessna type thing, where there's like basically two sets of controls. And there's the actual pilot that thankfully knows what he's doing, is going to make sure that I don't die. And then there's a set of controls in front of me in the co-pilot seat. And for a little bit, I think I was like 16, we're up in the air, and he's like, "Hey, you want to fly this thing for a little?" I was like, "Heck yeah!" And so I'm flying this plane, and it was like the coolest experience in the world. I still remember it in vivid detail. And I remember we're like flying fairly low over this town, and I'm taking a turn, and I'm thinking. Okay, so like if this goes wrong, like he like I can't screw this up to where like he can't fix it, right? Like I was just very concerned, but I, I felt very I felt very safe because 
he, he's the pilot. He knows what he's doing. He, he's, he's, he's got the controls. I, I've got some controls too. Uh, but he's got the controls. He's the pilot. Like I said, I'm not really truly a pilot, but I know that in flying a plane, that planes have uh, instruments, right? There's, there's different things let you know where the horizon level is, let you know the, your speed and uh, air pressure, all those types of things. I don't know what they'll do. Remember, I'm not a pilot. I have one little flying story that I could eventually throw into a sermon someday. That's probably the only reason that happened in my life. Um, um, but it, when you're flying... You have to learn how to read those instruments and know what they mean. Because especially if you can't see, if you're in inclement weather and basically all your visual cues are gone, it can be very easy to get disoriented um, flying. Some pilots in, in circumstances where they can't see and if something was wrong with their instruments or they weren't reading them correctly, you could think that you're flying right side up when you're actually flying upside down. And when you think you're pulling up because you're losing altitude, you're actually plummeting and you nosedive into the ground. The instruments help you fly. They help keep you oriented when you can't see. And I think that Paul, he knew how to, he knew how to fly by the instruments. I think that's why he, he didn't pull the Roman citizen card. It's because he knew, wait, there, there's, there's something here. Like, this is crazy. I can't really see what's going on. The, going to jail is very disorienting. I don't see what that has to do. Like, surely God didn't call us here just to end up in a jail and rot and die. Like, surely there's something else. But I, I don't know what it is, but I just, I, I know we're supposed to keep, keep flying here in this storm. He was going by the instruments. He was listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes in our lives, that's what we have to do. We have to, we have to fly by our instruments. Sometimes we can't exactly see what's going on. We don't, we don't know the future. We don't know how everything's going to work out. But we can follow God's word and follow the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it helps us to keep, keep a right view of reality. When it seems like everything's upside down. When we know that God's truth has not changed. That God is still on the throne. That God still loves us. That God still has a plan for our lives. When we remember those things... It helps us to not get disoriented when we're in storms and we can't see clearly what's going on. Uh, Paul also knew he was the co-pilot, not the pilot. Um, From what I can see in Scripture, it clearly lays out that God is in control of everything, yet there's also human will and we're responsible for our own actions. And those two seem to sort of like contradict, but Scripture doesn't really solve that tension in a nice way. It just kind of declares them both as true. And so we, we have instruments in front of us. We have choices to make. There's consequences. Yet, we do have a co-pilot. And I think when we tend to jack up our life is when we forget that we're co-piloting this plane and we're, we're, we're trying to be the pilot. We're trying to decide. And when the pilot says, no, we've got to turn here, we're like, no, 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 I really, no, I really think we should turn here. And we start trying to hijack the plane instead of fly the plane with our pilot. It's the Holy Spirit in our lives. He's, he's like a pilot. And so our highest aspiration in life should to be uh, a co-pilot, not the pilot. We want God to be in control of our lives. The, the thing I find um, fascinating about Paul later saying, after they've already been in jail for a while, hey, we're Roman citizens. And everyone's really freaked out, and they come down to apologize to them. Uh, the Paul didn't stand up and demand his rights. And, like, we really love that in our country. Like, we're all about rights. We all want to demand 
what we think we deserve all the time. Like, yeah, Paul, in other places in the scriptures, he talks about how everything that I used to count as gain, I basically now consider trash compared to knowing Christ. Paul talks about how I used to be a slave to sin. I did what sin wanted me to do, but now I'm a slave for Christ. And being a slave for Christ is basically, he declares the, the only, only true freedom. He's like, I've surrendered my life and what I want to God. And I've, in that, in doing that, I've never been more free. And so he doesn't stand up and demand his rights in his own way because he surrendered his rights to God. And that's how we need to live. We need to live um, completely and 100% uh, surrendered. We shouldn't be trying to hijack the plane and take over uh, and be the pilot, but we should be trusting in God, trusting our pilot, trusting the instruments, trusting his word. I'm going to close here in just a moment, Aaron. If you if you want to come up, I just I feel there's a couple things we can do, or a couple ways we can respond um, to this story. These stories happened a long time ago. These are people that have long since gone. I can't go introduce you to Lydia or the slave girl that we read about in this story after service, but I believe this story still speaks to us. It still has application to our lives, and the point of Looking at scripture is not to just give us more information, but it's to respond in some way. Um, James talks about if, if you're only hearers, but you're not doers, you, you deceive ourselves. Um, you think you know, but, but you don't. And so God's word always demands um, a response of some kind. And I believe there's, there, there's two ways I think we can respond to this and that we can, really two ways we can respond to the Holy Spirit in our lives. Um, one is we can we can fight his leading. We can not surrender. Um, we can try to constantly be the pilot and not the co-pilot. Um, or we can surrender to him. And, and I believe with all my heart, um, there's no greater adventure really than than, than following Jesus. Um, Sometimes it jacks up your plan like it did with Paul. He had a plan. It was all nice. Probably had bullet points. Paul's five-year plan. Just have to tear that up. Because um, uh, the last five years of my life didn't go according to my five-year plan. But God had a lot better plans. Um, and so I'm not going to sit and try to keep knocking out my checklist and my little plan when God's got a much bigger mission. Um, Paul thought he was just going to go around and strengthen some churches, but God wanted to take him to a whole new continent. And I don't know what it might be in your life, but I'm guessing that there are some things that God is going to ask you to do that are going to challenge what you felt comfortable with up to this point. And that God's got a little bigger picture than you know, and that God has people that he wants to bring across your path, like he brought across Paul, that you don't really know who those people are, but he, but he does. We don't want to miss those appointments. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get plugged into the ministry of Audacity or support this ministry financially, you can get more information at loveservego.com.